Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Render Room with PS Labs, Machine Delusions, Stephanie Kim, and more. Let's take a listen. Well, um, number one, thanks for giving up your time. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where you're based, but um, yeah, we should, this space is usually take about one hour and I'll... My name's David. I'm the founder of PS Labs. Uh, we've got one or two other team members here and then a whole bunch of people here from our community. I can see them wearing their citizens. And um, yeah, I just wanted, let's just uh, start with, uh, who are you? Yeah, so uh, David, nice to meet you. My name is Phil, or Philip for full. Um, I am a graphic designer based out of Toronto, Canada. Um, I am kind of new to the AI world, but I'm definitely not new to digital art. Uh, before any of this stuff, I was, uh, more of like a Photoshop artist, photo bashing. Um, I don't know if anyone in the space knows, um, Benny Productions on YouTube, fantastic Photoshop artist. Uh, so I, I utilize a lot of those similar techniques, blending of images in my AI work. Nice. So, um, wh whereabouts are you based? Are you uh, East Coast or West Coast America? Am I am I totally off? Oh no, the, not even American. I'm uh, I'm Canadian. I'm from Toronto. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, totally off. <laughs> nice. And uh, when you said you're, um, what kind of uh, background did you have? You said you're basically working with graphic design now. So I'm assuming you are like a a freelancer, or are you working for a business there? I um I work for a business, but I also do a ton of freelancing and manage my own clients, as I think most do. Um, yeah. But I work on mostly large format uh, signage, uh, vehicle wraps, billboards, in-store, um, uh, like POP market, point of purchase, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. It totally makes sense that you're like compositing stuff all the time. Uh, and is yeah. your um, academic background also in... um? uh arts or, or did you study something else and then just end up sort of getting into graphic design um i've actually i don't have a post-secondary education i never went to college or university um i i like to think of myself as an eternal learner uh when i was a, a much younger i thought it was an insecurity of mine to not have that piece of paper um right yeah. out of high school i purchased a home and that ended up being the best educated decision i've ever made well that's all oh, number one that's absolutely awesome uh number two i just want to say stephanie actually is here and stephanie's a curator uh based in london we're good friends here in london and um yeah i was introducing stephanie to as i said to all the ai work and she 
was loving it and really wanted to get involved. And uh, I'll just quickly give Stephanie a minute to introduce herself. Amazing. It's it's really nice to be a uh, to be seen finally. I was there at the beginning, but somehow invisible. Um, I'm a cur- I, I have exhibition curatorial and research company based in uh, London and Seoul. And I've, I've been working with various artists, architects, and designers uh, for past 17 years. So super uh, excited to open this, to be introduced to the new world. Um, and um, I'm here to learn and, and like learn and maybe collaborate in, in near future. Yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Um, so I will, um, I'm just going to sort of go ahead with sort of um, like a rough outline of uh, questions. I think I already sent them to you ahead of time, but they're pretty standard. But if anyone wants to ask a question, especially you, Stephanie, if you press like the heart button with the plus sign in the bottom right, and then just there's a little like hand up, you can just button, just like turn your mic off and just start speaking. That's fine as well. But just in case I'm like monologuing or something, or Phil here is monologuing, uh, stick your hand up and then we'll, we'll like then, uh, you know, let let the other person finish their sentence and then, and then you can get in with a question. Uh, and it's the same with everyone else, but we'll keep most of the questions for the audience towards the end of the spaces. Um, so Don't I'm worry, I'll keep the rambling down to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, man. Um, so I just want to go straight back to where we just left off, which is awesome, uh, is the fact that you never essentially went into sort of higher education. You just went straight into working. And um, what did like those sort of really early days uh, look like in terms of work? Was it, were you just like doing Photoshop at that point, like sort of um, uh, retouching images? What was, what was your first job? Uh, well, I feel, I feel, uh, first of all, my first job was a dishwasher in a kitchen. And I personally feel that everyone should experience something like that at least once. Um, because man, it really, it really humbles you. It really shows you the value of, uh, literally rolling up your sleeves and scrubbing and getting dirty. So that was my very first job. Um, other than that, like that, the kickstart of my graphic design career, yeah, the early, the very early days, um, it was a lot of me learning the software. And uh, luckily, I was um, uh, motivated enough to learn the software on my own accord for my own hobbies, not even work related. And then I soon realized, I soon, I quickly realized that um, people in the field and employers, they they didn't really care for that slip of paper. They just wanted a portfolio. So luckily I had a portfolio of my own digital art and uh, some some simple logos and graphics and banners and digital stuff like that, um, that I've already curated for myself. And I, I just pitched them and uh, lo and behold, I, I nailed a a decent job and I've, I've been here for about 12 years now. um, What kind of, um, what kind of job, uh, jobs were you getting in in the beginning? What kind of client base uh, were you typically working with? Uh, at the beginning or, or nowadays? Right at the beginning, and, and then we'll, we'll move on to the kind of work you're doing now. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, it was, it was smaller stuff, um, like album covers, simple logos, very basic, simple freelance stuff. And then uh, 
now now I chase the the bigger the bigger uh, fish in the in the markets the the agencies the people who are gonna um, not only provide me with one off pieces of work but very consistent regular um, bread and butter so to speak like pro like essentially pro project work bigger project work yeah. working with on campaign uh style stuff yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. and then so and how is that going uh are you work are you working with some agencies uh are there any like really nice brands that you've um that you've worked on recently um in terms of my day-to-day -day work yeah there, there's some large brands um i actually i'm at work right now and i just finished up uh samsung windows for a bunch of malls in the area so uh i literally just finished laying out and specking um uh clear samsung phone windows that go installed on nice clear glass all over the uh greater toronto area in about five or six different malls um as well as that i do uh larger stuff for like tim hortons and walmart tractor trailers uh, a couple of our clients Absolutely. Uh, like Sobeys and yeah, so like some really big, big clients, you know. Yeah, I can really start to now see like the picture of where like uh, all the, the sort of the origin of where your machine delusions. I guess that's like now an alien, like an alias for you, like an artist alias for you. I can really now see like where this is all coming from. I think everyone can. Um, and so, yeah, essentially, yeah, you you're you're a shit hot graphic designer um and you're working with like obviously some of the biggest clients there how did ai get into all of this um i'm just i'm just a curious person and going back to that thing i said earlier about me not or being insecure about not having that piece of paper that uh, higher education i've always just been online digging for like the newest xyz trying to trying to like be ahead of the curve and and like not for anything but this stuff excites me you know i i love i'm always on kickstarter just digging through projects seeing what other people are trying to make happen um so it was kind of it was inevitable that i was gonna stumble upon ai at some point when when, when did you stumble can you remember when uh what like what uh because for me it was like a pretty um i guess profound sounds a bit cheesy but it was like a real wow moment that happens especially like if you're an artist and working in art it's just like one of these moments where like uh you know where you can't sleep you just want to work all the time because you essentially you're feeling like really inspired uh so that was like a really strong sensation i had when i first came across all these tools i'm sure you had the same experience um what how long ago was it and um do you remember what you're doing and how how quickly did you go down this rabbit hole uh, I have a, I have a addicted person, addictive personality. Um, but I'm lucky because I can, I can wield it like a sword. I get addicted to progressive things, healthy things. Um, before it was before AI, it was piano. I got addicted to piano and now, and now I can play it in about like four months. I learned how to play piano proficiently. Um, so I, I picked up AI in may i think so not very long ago well that's like literally like two months yeah yeah, yeah. this yeah. has been very very fast um but i'm like i said i'm i'm addicted um i've probably clocked well over a thousand hours in disco diffusion um yeah. averaging like three hours of sleep a night 
with naps sprinkled in everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You're like, um, you're starting to sound a lot, uh, quite a lot like me now. <laughs> I'll just like, I'll sleep for a bit, go back up to check all the computers, and then go back down. Then you know, wake up in the morning, check the computers. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, my life is funny. Like rather than the computers being a slave to like what the art that we want made, I just feel like I've now become a slave to the computer actually like my job has just been like making sure it's okay and um making sure it's got everything it needs to run properly uh so yeah it's, it's funny it started with just um uh, how do you say uh thinking that i'm controlling the computers but now i've realized over time that no they're like controlling me now uh but yeah i've so moving on from that, that's a, that's another dilemma that I'm sure we can speak at length on. But um, yeah, you're using Disco Diffusion, as you just mentioned. Uh, are you using any other tooling? Why Disco Diffusion? Uh, so like when I first started down this rabbit hole, um, the first piece of Google Colab or Python code I ever touched was, like, and I mean ever touched, uh, was PYTT. And I'm sure there's a few people in here who've played with that as well. It's a little more like it looks like a pixel style. And uh, I see a lot of animations used with that code. Eventually, I stumbled upon Disco Diffusion and uh, I've never deviated since. Um, why I choose Disco over over more popular ones like uh, Mid Journey and even Jax. I don't know if anyone uses Jax in here, but I stick with Disco Diffusion because I find it's the only algorithm so far that can capture both the uncanny artistic elements as well as a decent amount of form. And that gets me excited. Uh, when I use tools like Midjourney, they look fantastic, um, but I don't have control. Um, it's, yeah. it's almost like having a paintbrush that is forced within certain confines. And I don't like that. Whereas Disco Diffusion, I can open up the hood. I can implement code that never existed, which I have done. Um, and I can tweak the thing into oblivion to get exactly what I need out of it. And um, when you said uh, you lifted up the hood and tweaked the code, what did you do? Um, it's generally with Disco Diffusion, or I, I would extend this to this entire AI art thing in general. Um, once you have a style, it really is just a workflow game. Um, like you said before, you don't want to be a slave to the machine. So I've implemented little little workflow. I think I'm losing you there. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I just uh, I lost you where you said um, you've implemented some workflow and, and then you cut out. So just uh, from there would be great. Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, yeah, but long story short, I've implemented some workflow things, including um, I work with a lot of initial images and. Initial images are an interesting uh, technique because you essentially are skipping the early stage of diffusion, which is supposed to be important for creating a general overview of composition of the image. So I'm skipping that part because I'm giving it a general composition. Um, and because of that, I can immediately see what the image is going to end up like minus some of the finer details. So I implemented a workflow thing where it basically just skips at 20%, it, it like renders out what it has, and then it, it starts the new render. 
And that allows me to like quickly batch out like 20 versions of the same idea that are all slightly different. And then I can select the quickest one and then move forward. Okay, so you, are you talking essentially, you lost me a ton quickly there. So you're doing 20% skip steps or you're saying you, are you, you essentially saying you're using the init and then doing skip steps to just jump to sort of the inner, bit more inner cutting. I guess the best way to describe this is, is um, I set up Disco Diffusion kind of like a mid-journey workflow where it gives you some low, low render ideas quickly and then it's up to me to select the best one and move forward. I see. And then you just like use the seed then to then do like a longer, longer I, more defined version. I actually never selectively pick seeds. I don't care. <laughs> I always randomize it. Oh, so you're just like doing iterative, like you're just doing it like, iterative stuff with your prompting like just changing it uh and running like 20 different variants on a prompt a hundred percent yeah and yeah. then as well as my uh, as well as that i've implemented um some randomizers for my prompt so yeah I can, <clears throat> excuse me i can essentially set uh variables and then those variables pull from a huge list of words that i've curated yeah nice so you you've really got um and when, when you're running this are you running this all locally uh, unfortunately not. Um, I kind of, I, I have this like weird uh, fetish almost with um, portability and uh, efficiency. <laughs> so the the liability and, and the station stationed uh, aspect of running locally, it doesn't appeal to me. So I just, I just wrap in the cost of renting graphics cards, kind of like a, a cost of business. It's just the yeah. way it is. What it is. So, so you then just set up your own, um, Essentially, like your own um, GPU or like A one hundred in with Lambda Labs or something. Then, yep, I have. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I have a buddy. Actually, I know the the guy not personally, but really good friend online. Um, he run he manages RunPod, which is a some similar to like Lambda. I see. Cool. Oh, nice. Well, um, yeah, we do like a mix of both, uh, just because. Um, I, I think I have the opposite of you. I like to run things locally a lot, but that's, um, yeah, I, li I like to sort of like mess around with the computers and uh, build them and and switch out graphics cards and like build more computers and and then my room gets really hot. Um, but yeah, but on, on the side of that, we do run like virtual machines as well, just when we need more uh power but i really like um especially because i we do a lot of animation and we're doing like really really long runs like uh five days in a row of just rendering video and so when we're doing that kind of thing i really like um running it locally just because um can kind of keep my eye on it a bit better but um that's the basically what you mentioned is the beauty of all of this is uh everyone can run it locally anywhere with like the current setups that like google collab especially has and like all of these new render farms popping up everywhere um this sort of really hard computing power that's required to do all this work is like kind of like no longer really a barrier to entry for ai art which i'm certain like not so long ago maybe even just like one year ago would have been a huge barrier to entry and um, you actually start. You actually brought up really quickly something which I think is essentially absolutely distinctive of your style, which is 
initial images. And so I wanted to like talk a bit more about that. Um, where do you, do you shoot your own images? Are you getting them from stock? And um, what are, are you manipulating these images before you put them in or is it primarily after Diffusion's done its thing? Um, it really depends on the piece I'm going for. Uh, the, the initial content, I try to deviate as far as I no, well as far as I can well without losing form from the initial content. I've done everything from snap a pic on my phone to grab some stock images to run my friend's art through it. Yeah. Um, just um, get, sorry, just really quickly for those in the room who might not know what an initial image is. Uh, I mean, hopefully you do, but in in NFTs they call them a lot morphs. Uh, and essentially it's where you start rendering on top of an image that you give to the AI and then the AI will take that and start rendering on top of it. And that's what an initial image is. Um, sorry, just for, before we go into detail on it, just in case there's anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about to give a bit of uh, context. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let me, I'm going to try to find while I talk here, some examples of, how aggressively my initial images change because I don't think people really understand uh, the capabilities of what you can do with an initial image. Um, so with that being said, yeah, I, I basically use starting imagery to skip, skip the challenge, the hurdle of getting good form out of, out of the AI. Other, other, um, uh, algorithms like Midjourney and stuff—they don't really have that problem, but they—they they lack that spark, in my opinion. That like that creative, like I don't know what I'm looking at kind of vibe, um, and I like that. So I use Disco for that reason. But Disco struggles with form a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, it's where I'm getting my content, like I said, sometimes it's just a photograph on my phone. Uh, sometimes it's a stock image sometimes it's my friend's art um wh whatever i'm really trying to capture there so the dragonfly that's pinned to my uh my um my wall there it's it's just a stock image of a like macro photography um but it doesn't make the process any easier so for that for example that piece that dragonfly that took me about eight hours of just trial and error brute force trying um different prompts trying different settings eventually i i landed on a on a style that i was like okay this is this is the right direction i then run that out like 20 iterations 30 iterations pick the best ones and i photoshop them together to make a, a composite final piece because uh, i don't want to compromise and the odds of getting like the perfect one the first like in one shot is pretty much zero percent um, yeah. But luckily, I have the skills, so I don't have to compromise. Yeah, no, I think that's um, essentially where a lot of people in AI, there seems to be a bit of a limit to, you know, you can learn all the tooling, you can learn what they will do, and then you can essentially start messing around with settings. But there is this then layer or, or divide almost of then um, the sort of the best artists and the skill that they have is the ability to composite images like they know how to use photoshop they know how to basically like um you know sample things from here and there and then basically create something which is pretty essentially at that point very has a lot of human touch on it because i think that's a a common criticism right of um 
AI art in general that is like just pushing buttons and and uh, you know computer doing doing its thing and I don't know I think, you, you, I think you've got something to say there go on yeah I just want to interject um, if you guys go to the chat I posted two images one being the initial image which is one of my friends on Instagram and then the other being what I made it into sorry I was just going I was just checking it out as well um, nice that's awesome um, so I can see you're using foundation for uh, your artwork. Um, is, have you been like new to NFTs? Is this like your first foray into NFTs, or, or were you messing around with them a bit before? But it's like you know, finally this connects. Um, I've, I'm not new to the crypto space, so NFTs are very natural to me. That being said, I hadn't really tried. Um, my efforts in the space to try to create something. Uh, a lot of NFTs, a lot of projects, they just didn't, they don't resonate with me. Um, I'm a very like logical person. I, I love and understand art, but there wasn't a, a ton of projects out there that were really like just focused on art or, or that I could afford to be completely honest. Um, but with that being said, like, yeah, I'm, I kind of landed on foundation because it's a really good one-of-one uh, marketplace. I have some uh, good ideas for some larger collections, maybe like uh, a 50, a unique 50 or 100 piece collection where all the pieces are one-of-ones in their own right, but they fit into a larger uh, vision. I think, do you think that because essentially, number one, I think that's, uh, perfect because I, I think you've kind of uh, dabbled you know you've released a whole bunch of sort of single pieces that, and they've done really well obviously um, and you you know you're on to something so it's sort of time to sit down and put together something that's a bit more of like a like a an entire project and um, just to give you a bit of alpha just because like my best man at my wedding is the lead developer of one of the lead developers of foundation um they're gonna have a if you just wait wait one or two months for that idea <laughs> and then foundation is going to be the perfect place for you to do it uh because i think they're bringing in a lazy mint uh function on, on foundation uh so it's going to be you know the problem with foundation is uh you have to pay for the the listing to to go up and obviously if you're listing then like 50 items that even at even at 30 dollars each they're still like one and a half thousand or, or something it's um yeah it's this is just it's the problem with ethereum and as you said like you know that the nft game in ethereum is just is only for the for the mega rich or the the super dgens who just get in on all of the on all of the free mints, but um, and it's kind of like off-putting in in some ways. And uh, but but it's good. What, one thing I'm glad about is that uh, essentially within the crypto space, you have you know coin first, and then you got NFTs. And basically, the first use case for NFTs was well, essentially art. And then so you got those what was essentially the realm of just financiers and software developers and engineers and stuff has now become sort of the domain of artists as well. And for that, I'm like really thankful because suddenly that means, you know, I can play and you can play and, uh, you know, a lot more people can now get involved with crypto because before it was kind of, you know, standing on the outside 
thinking like, oh man, all, all these guys uh, on this sort of uh, wild, wild west, in this new like wild, wild west, and I really have no way to participate. And then NFTs come along and it just, you know, breaks open the doors <laughs> and like a huge flood of new people onboarding onto the crypto world. And so, and, and I'm, I put my hand up and say like, I'm one of them. I've been like, as I said, dabbling in NFT since sort of like the, the big bull run in March last year. And then, um, yeah, and then we, we started PS Labs, which is like a sort of AI aggregator. of, uh, And we mint basically our services. Users submit their prompts to us. Uh, we use a whole range of different AI models uh, in animation, in still, uh, whatever it is. We bring together all the best ones. Uh, we set some parameters. Um, for the most complicated ones, ones like diffusion, and uh, then we mint it to the blockchain for people. And um, soon we're going to be taking on more blockchains. So we're going to be looking at Juno, Terra V2, Solana, Polygon, um, and we're currently on um, Stargaze uh, as our, our little new home that we started two months ago, two or three months ago. So. Um, yeah, that's essentially like, uh, in a nutshell, like our business and, um, yeah, we, we just got into AI art and we really connected on this one. And I think it's really difficult to miss with AI art. Um, as long, as long as you're like putting the stuff out that you really like, um, and we're really in the right time right now for this kind of stuff, because, um, uh, I maybe Stephanie can actually speak to this, but we're essentially, um, I think in the new era of art that's uh, brought on semi by AI, but also maybe a bit by NFTs. Stephanie, do you have anything to say to that? Or? Yeah, I mean, it bring, I kept thinking um, whether you, you guys have engaged with other um, academics and scholars uh, about, like, should they be, should this be called AI art? Should we be seeking to find different names and definitions um, along the way because uh, no continue that's really interesting um what makes you say that i i, I have a feeling i know why but i rather hear from you yes um so so after working uh with the artists over 600 artists uh for past years i recently um finished my phd uh at the rca and meeting artists in all sorts of disciplines who seek to find definitions for um, basically their red wrong that's so whatever their art is doing, they, they, they need to, they, they want to seek deeper meaning to it. And basically with, and I'm also currently involved with uh, MIT, uh, probably with MIT, but currently with uh, Wesleyan, uh, Wesley and Harvard sociologist about like looking into transhumanities group. So, like for example, like I, I, I was list how I loved how you guys you um started by an allegory to washing dishes, but these images I'm looking at over and over again, and and the journey and how it was two months of like obsessive development and you know also like so much work uh, uh to make this art. Uh, I think AI art the Tom just makes it quite limited uh, so maybe maybe the the stack i mean I, I love this idea of the render room and perhaps it, it's time i mean as 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 
uh, as we go along, maybe, you know, collaborate, invite architect, invite a theorist, and invite a curator to to actually like define um, what they are. Because currently I'm just looking at it and because I haven't experienced it myself, it's only second, uh, the third person uh, object uh, point of view, but 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 you guys are doing it and using different tools and um, in short, I think it's it's a it's a I, I, the question was like, are you looking into different terms um, to define it? There's um, I would say you're. I mean, number one, you're totally right. Is um, AI art is almost to say like the art is not like done done by humans um when in some way like uh, i mean to, to someone could probably argue maybe not but obviously nothing happens without a person and there's a ter there's a terminology which i like a bit more called a uh, generative art I, I i prefer the term generative art far more uh but the thing is is generative art is quite like a still quite a big umbrella of uh different art styles i feel like um but you're right i uh i'm gonna have to like sit down and have to think of the the name for it because um you know in in, in more recent times we have sort of like installation and then like you know going back maybe 70 80 90 years got like abstract expressionism and then now we're like sitting on this like new cusp of like this new style that's being brought about by like computers and we, you know we're calling it ai art right right now but uh, let's just hope the sort of the the, the uh what's the word the sort of the, the communication around it uh evolves a bit more i think we're very much still in that super infant stage of you know like when photography just first came around it took people really a long time to consider it as an art form um a lot of people just said like that's not art uh you know you didn't do that you're just capturing light um and you didn't paint that with your hand uh whereas like now that would just sound ridiculous for someone to say like photography is not an art form because it, essentially it most definitely is and it is widely recognized all around the world as being an art form but it's not only an art form you know it's used in uh, to photograph the insides of humans <laughs> it's used to photograph the deepest points in space you know it's used to just see what's going on around the world and all sorts of things so you know it's really multifunctional but it is an art form and maybe in each of those cases like for example x-ray scans or heart scans things like that maybe they they are an art form in themselves w within that area and i and um I think we're like really in this sort of infancy stage. Uh, I'm just going to say, let's say generative art. I'm going to say it because I, I think it sounds nicer. But um, I think we're really in like this infancy stage of generative art right now. And we're still in this sort of period of time, which, you know, I think is going to last a long time of, of people essentially saying like, that's not art because, you know, computer did it. Um, and, and that is another reason why I, I love having like machine delusions here on because he, for a matter of fact, is someone who's not, he's, you know, switching it up a bit more. He's really putting the human touch on. He's like compositing 
work. He's, um, you know, sampling different things from here and there. He's basically like, de- I would say he's, he's almost like DJing with the AI. <laughs> and it's really fun to watch. And, and the work is really bright and colorful. And um, I think especially like in the AI space, it's like uh, nice to see because a lot of uh, stuff is generally quite, uh, maybe say like horror based. So, so I mean, we had um, Alexi on last week and uh, he's another one who's like just really happy, uh, fun work to look at. But yeah, we're really in the infancy stage right now. And, and I think definitely like what you're saying is an amazing idea to get in architects and, you know, painters, people from all kinds of backgrounds, because essentially it's called the render room. But, uh, you know, I would rather I think it's more interesting to sort of open these things up a bit more and, and discuss, you know, culture and art. And, and we can sort of loop it back into AI and all the new things that are going on in this space anyway. But that would be amazing to have some real, you know, uh, experienced speakers come in and sort of give their take. Mm. Build a manifesto, maybe a group exhibition. Um yeah, I mean, we've been, I was discussing this. I think, I think like, you know, it's, it's only a ma- matter of time before, well, it's already happening. There's a lot of sort of AI exhibitions being put on by different galleries around the world. Uh, they're really cottoning on to the, this uh, art style and this art movement. And um, you, you're right, maybe all, all that's needed is a manifesto. And essentially like what we are, what what we're trying to do with the render rooms is to, almost like form a manifesto i i don't really I, we haven't really sat down to think of what it is yet because at the beginning the manifesto was to just build a community um the, you know it was just to put people like machine delusions here on, on a platform and let everyone see how like these amazing new artists that are being born literally in the space of like six months we, there's a loads of incredible talent like coming out from this space and um that really excites me i just wanted to share it with other people but maybe you're right stephanie maybe it's time to take the next step and um uh you know take it up a gear yeah and and where i'm standing in uh i think that's 100 percent necessary uh it's the next logical step really essentially just music music labels for AI artists or artists alike or collectives or galleries or whatever, however, whatever title you want to put to it. Um, essentially what's happening here is we we've, we've created an, a different genre, you know, we've got painters, you've got collage artists. It's uh, it, it's only, it was only going to be inevitable before, um, before this has a proper title and gets like world recognition uh, just, just as electronic music, carved its way from the underground to the mainstream now you literally can't turn on the radio without hearing some sort of electronic music augmentation and implementation um and i I think the with the ai art it's it's really just the beginning and soon this this tech will get so good that it will just be built in natively to photoshop um it will be built in natively to things like uh print on demand places, uh, places that offer like, Hey, you don't have a logo. We'll build you one that will all be AI run. Um, it, it will be sprinkled so far in our lives that people won't realize that they're yeah. even using it. Well, um, I'm glad that you hopefully, uh, yeah, you're, you're in for the ride, uh, <laughs> because I'm like, um, 
I'm all about it. I've basically, I'm all, I've almost like quit my real t- my full time job uh, uh, to do all this stuff. But um, yeah, I just wanted to basically we've probably got like another ten minutes before I'm I'm going to open up the, the floor to questions. So everyone, just think of like what you want, any questions you want to ask this guy while he's here. And um, I wanted to just like loop it back to your work. Um, and if you like specifically with prompting just because i think most people in the room the main things they can probably uh go and see immediate uh benefits from is probably just tips on prompts and um are there any sort of uh nice suggestions or big tips that you have because i know you're in here with binks and you guys is just um you know spraying hot sauce all over the whole audience so it's like loads of hot tips and but uh, you know I, I maybe half the people here well a lot of the people here weren't there for that so i just wanted to sort of uh try to get that in uh yeah do you have any like good suggestions anything that could really help someone to go from like being a route you know not getting nice results to getting really nice results just through words yeah, um, I guess uh, <laughs> everyone comes for the secret sauce. Um, but I unfortunately am here to tell you that there is no secret sauce. Um, the reason Binks and I, uh, we create what we do and um, we, we have that level of standard, so to speak, is we don't we don't settle. And uh, and what I mean by don't settle is, I mean, grab a thesaurus, Google around, get 50 50 terminologies just to describe lighting get 50 terminologies to describe emotion color shape form subject the difference between a priest a clerk and a nun are so violently different to the ai it it could be the difference between having an amazing piece and not so my my biggest tip is if you have a prompt idea that should be good in your head, but it's not coming out the way it is, start flipping the words um, with the same idea, but with a thesaurus or I, I don't know the t- proper terminology, but essentially start hot swapping words that you know kind of guide it in the same direction, but to the AI is totally different. Uh, like I said, the difference between beautiful and gorgeous and uh, awestruck and um, like all of these descriptors, it's uh, it's it's night and day, and and that's really the reason why I implemented a randomizer is because I, I'm not I'm not a a poet, I'm not a writer. I I need some assistance in this. I I can go and research, but then when I'm staring at that blank prompt section, it's hard. It's hard to pull from a vocabulary um, that you know I don't use every day. And, and uh, expanding that vocabulary it can sometimes be difficult, but that is really the magic of it all, um, is, is really understanding what each word is doing and not jumping in super willy-nilly. Experimentation is, is really good, but if you want to carve a style, you need to shave, shave back. Start with a slab of marble and chisel away and cut the fat. Um, cutting the fat can look like taking out filler words a beautiful boat on a this and that blah 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 cut all the cut all the filler beautiful boat ocean turbulent storm dawn done right 
the AI doesn't care about all the middle stuff. You're not, you're not trying to describe a scene to it. You're just trying to use very distinct hashtag words for it to pull from that clip library. Um, so that would be definitely my first tip. Uh, my second tip is experiment with the order of words. People, people write out prompts like, like a sentence or a poem or like they're trying to describe it to another human. And it, and it works. It does. But flipping the order of those words can night and day. So one of the, one of the hot tips I always drop is instead of saying a beautiful boat on an ocean by uh, Picasso with the artist at the end, put the artist at the beginning, take that word and put it at the front. And it kind of forces the AI to almost use it as like a filter. You're setting the precedent or the stage before you even give it a subject. And that can be done with any word, not even just an artist reference. Um, so I, I, what I do is I use a ton of modifiers um, to build a style. And it is my style now. I built a style with these words that don't even require an artist as a reference. But then when I put the artist at the beginning, it acts as a filter and it amplifies my style with very, there's some seemingly random, but distinct characteristics from that artist, um, that, that artist's work. And I love that because when people look at my work, they're like, for, for the most part, depending on how heavily the artist influences, but when people look at my work, they're like, oh, that's machine delusions. But I have the ability still to be extremely versatile because I run my art, so to speak, through these uh, influence filters um, with these words at the beginning, as opposed to being like the meat of the prompt. I'm just interested to hear just from in your own words, how would you define your own? How would you define your own style? Because you said, you know, you, you're certain you said, I, you know, I have a style now uh, because I, you know, I, I, I think I could describe your style to you, but I'm interested to hear in your head what you think your style is. That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think, I think my style has ultimately landed on a, a 3d rendered look, something, something that does look, um, dimensional or has depth that's definitely one characteristic of my style uh i i tend to lean towards a specific color palette the pastels the bright warm colors um and then a lot of the things in my style are kind of like the aftermath of the words i use so in my opinion the shininess um that like glittery smooth like half illustrated half real like 3d element that that kind of plays into the style as well and and that's again that's from all the modifiers i use that that wasn't really intended to begin with but kind of landed there after uh experiments experimenting yeah. some my um, art teacher always just called it happy accidents oh, <laughs> Where, like, you just mess Bob something Rock? up and it looks really good um but yeah, yeah that can also sound like something else so i'm uh, <laughs> like uh yeah, and then I've just um, I've got one last because it's probably my last question from me before you know uh, I sort of let some other people ask some questions. So uh, guys, get your questions ready. Uh, my question is for you. I mean, you kind of covered this a bit already. Where do you see this all going? Uh, you covered it in terms of like a commercial sense, right? Of like you, you know, you're saying it's going to be on sort of um, was it merchandise sort of um, print on demand services 
uh, built into Photoshop. Um, do you, do you, where do you where do you want this to be? Like, what do you want out of all of this? And like, what's like in your head, like the perfect kind of tooling? Uh, is there a point where it gets too integrated, where it's like no, not fun anymore? I don't know. Um, yeah, so I guess the the commercial side of it is inevitable. Um, it will just be a tool. And uh, I'm going to focus on the artistic side of it all. First of all, first of all, to answer your question where I would like to see this go for my project specifically, um, I, I'm I'm just an artist. I am a, a creative, uh, an internal exporter of ideas and uh, influence. That's just how I've always been. So I would like to see my project um, essentially fulfill my. I would like to see it pay my rent and pay my mortgage. Uh, nothing would fulfill me more than than to make a living off of of doing this stuff. And uh, I, I feel I feel like I'm on that path, and uh, that's that's really really exciting. Where where I want it to go artistically, I think with a lot of tools out there, we've actually already hit the wall. Uh, we're starting to plateau where things aren't becoming fun anymore. And um, I'm gonna point the finger at Dali. Um, I haven't played with stable diffusion enough, but things are getting too real and they're getting too quick, uh, to generate that it becomes essentially Google search. If I can type in an idea and it just spits out an image and it's a koala on a bike and it looks like a real koala on a bike, what's the difference between that and Google search? Where's the excitement? Where's the, the yeah. suspense? Where's the struggle? Dude, How did it be a struggle? Yeah, and, and uh, so, go on, go on. Sorry, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So where where I want this to go, and where I see this going, is it? We're if you were to look at it like a graphed curve, right now we're we're on the upswing of the curve. It's starting to become mainstream. The tech is starting to take off, and it's getting really good, really hyper realistic and efficient, and just like amazing tech. Right, the excitement will be lost. The markets will be flooded with this work and then what will ultimately stick out and what will ultimately prevail is people who don't stop at the outport uh, the, at the export they don't use the rendered piece as the final okay i'm done i'm going to post it it will be the people that implement it in their own workflows um tr i know there's uh, some massive traditional artists out there painters who use ai to inspire them. They'll take a picture of their work, they'll run it through, and they'll generate variations before they even put brush to canvas. Um, in my case, my output doesn't stop at, at rendering the final piece and hitting upload. I render tons, I comp them together, I run that comp through, I do more Photoshop manipulation. Um, depending on the piece, I might, I might split the image into seven pieces and run all seven pieces through and then stitch them back together. So it's about the general, it's about the workflow. How, how is the artist going to implement this tech into their already creative process? Um, because that's how you get exceptional pieces. I can personally say from, from Binks, uh, me and Binks chat all the time. We're in, we're screen sharing. We're just like chilling, doing whatever. And I know how Binks works and it's like how I work. And it's it's work, man. It is not just hit go and upload. It is 
it's art. It's it's struggle. It's meticulously selecting and being, um, yeah, just just not settling. Really working until it is exactly how you want it. And I think that is ultimately where this will go. Um, it will it will be exactly like the music revolution. Everyone got the capabilities of having a music production software on their laptops. Anyone could be a music producer in the snap of their fingers, but it is the people who ultimately do something different with the tools at hand who prevail, who rise, rise to the top, who gain that deserved fame, essentially. I just, um, I, that's a, well, I think that's just a pretty good point to end on. <laughs> like I'm, I'm almost too scared to, uh, now ask uh, my my question because I feel like that is a really nice way to end the whole space. Um, but we're not going to end there yet because I do want to give everyone a chance to ask Machine Delusions here a question if they have one. Um, hopefully AI related, but um, yeah, stick your hand up if you want to come uh, asking a question. While I'm going to let everyone just think for a question, because sometimes it takes people a minute to like, you know, think of how to ask it well, or they might have something on their mind. But my question is, have you got any commissions yet uh, working with these, with this stuff? Like, have you received any clients which are like specifically AI commissions? So, yeah, I'm, uh, to, to be completely honest, I have a ton of commissions. Um, uh, and from a lot of different different sources, I might add, um, the the more obvious ones being like, hey, I want I want an album cover, hey, I want a portrait done, um, stuff like that. Some some guy actually reached out and he was like, hey man, your Game Boys are awesome. Can you render me out a really sick vending machine for my vending machine company? And I was like, of course I can, dude, for sure. He was ecstatic. All of my clients have been extremely happy with with the results, and that makes me happy, of course. Um, but the commission the commission game is booming, and it's not something that um, I'm unfamiliar with because because I'm a freelancer. I have all the all the tools already set up, and all the funnels to to uh, accept payments and invoices, and I have my own. Um, what's the word? My own my own business practices, so to speak. It's already all there. So, yeah, the commissions have been really fun, and I, I always, I never shy away from commissions uh, because they push me to do things I would never do. Um, there was one guy who wanted, he wanted a whale with eagle wings, and I was like, "Okay, dude, I, I think I got you." So, of course, I had to go into Photoshop and create this initial image, and then tweak it for like a day until I got the piece. But it looked pretty cool, and. Uh, and he was super stoked for it. So, no, no, that's awesome. Thanks, man. That's um, I, I find that um, it's just good because to me that means that you can straight up do this full time, essentially, if it keeps going that way, which is the dream. Uh, yeah, and now I just want to touch on one thing. Sorry to cut you off. Um, th this one got me really excited. So, um, I was scouted out on Instagram to be one of forty artists for an event called the Jaguar Parade hosted in New York City. And uh, it's going to be happening September 6th. 
And this is, I'm sure uh, these things have happened all over the United States. Um, Multiple like parades, Jaguar parades with the statues. Um, I think there was an elephant one a few years ago, but, but it's really legit. I did some research and it's funded by the UN and like, I'm ecstatic. So I signed the contract a little while ago. I created my piece. I submitted it a few days ago. They were ecstatic. Um, I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it. But um, my, my piece of artwork is going to be displayed throughout New York City for the event on some like jumbotrons because it is digital, of course. And then at the end of the event, the pieces, mine as well as the other 39 other artists, will be auctioned off uh, to charity. And I, I receive a kickback from that, but a large portion goes to, um, I think, the WWF and a few other organizations to essentially fund the, uh, the saving of the habitats of jaguars and other large cats. That, so this opportunity has been just like, I'm ecstatic and I'm in Toronto. So I, I think I'm going to make my way down to New York City and go experience this firsthand and and boots on the ground, shake some hands and network and uh, ho- hopefully snap a few pics of my artwork on some, some big screens around the city. <laughs> nice one, man. Yeah. And then, you know, you need to, you need to start thinking about having um, a press page on your uh, website and just start collecting that stuff together. I'm, I'm sure your mum or your dad is uh, doing that for you already, but um, yeah, uh, just so, just to try to uh, keep things moving. Uh, we've actually had some people stick their hand up for some questions. I think first was uh, Mark. Uh, Mark, the uh, floor is yours. Uh, go for it. You got your mic muted, just in case you're speaking and wondering why. By, there oh, you go. Sorry, by, by Mark, did you mean EMH? Sorry. EMH, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay, gotcha, EMH, okay. Mark. So I just thought yep, like... Yep, yep. No worries. Uh, no worries. Um, <laughs> you. Thank you yeah, very go much. for it, man. Um, yeah, so I really like how you specialize in initial images. It's something that I haven't been able to play around with too much, but the little bit that I did, um, the reason why I did it was because I was trying to get the model to understand a subject, um, uh, a subject that might not be indexed well or labeled well in the training data set. Um, let's just say a dragon. I know that's a little bit, uh, too you know, easy, but just basically something that it didn't understand well. Um, but the issue that I had was that it takes the, if you use an initial image for me, it takes the form, um, the initial form a little bit too literal. And what I really wanted to do is I wanted to understand, you know, what, what the subject is. I wanted to understand the form or the model of a dragon, but, um, not have the final image be in that position. Like I, let's say that I give it an image of a dragon laying down. I wanted to understand what a dragon is, but then have it spit out other images, maybe from of the dragon from a different perspective or the dragon standing or the dragon flying. Um, but it, from my experience, if you give it an initial image of a dragon laying down, it's going to be a dragon laying down. Um, do you have any tips about, you know, first of all, is it possible to um, maybe give it an image set to uh, like a bunch of different, um, almost like a model of what a dragon is, uh, and then just have it come out with a unique image of of that subject, but in its own perspective? Yeah. Um, so, so to, to start off, like you're hundred percent, right. If you feed it an initial image, you have to think of it like it's 
um, with the initial image, you're skipping the beginning stages of the diffusion curve. And what I mean by that is the beginning stages of the diffusion curve, starting from static noise, are essentially creating the form, the outline of whatever subject you're trying to create. And when you use an initial image and you skip those steps, um, you're essentially saying, don't start from static, start from this pixel placement. So yes, you will, you will always get um, that form. Um, what I could recommend is, and, and this is something that like, again, it's totally random. And you, you mentioned dragons being uh, easy, but from my experience, the clip library struggles really hard with dragons because there's just so oh, yeah, many. That's, that's why I mentioned it. Cause it's actually super yeah. hard. I didn't do anything fantasy because um, there's too many different versions of what a dragon is and too many different perspectives of a dragon that the AI just completely messes it up every time. 100%. So, so my tip to that would be um, instead of being vague and being like, I want a dragon flying, name drop some famous dragons. There are a lot of things in the clip library that are dragons, but they have titles because they're they're famous from a movie or they're a game character or uh like you know what i'm saying name dropping things is a better way to get a form because odds are you won't get the perfect character copied out um so for what for example what i do um is disco diffusion specifically really struggles with bodies and a trick a workaround for that is i describe what what the person is wearing you can't have clothes without a body. So I'm tricking it. I'm forcing the outcome I want through a little bit of like a reverse psychology. Um, for a long time, I struggled with portraits. Portrait of a man in a forest. Portrait of a man wearing a suit. Okay, that's fine. I then switched to name dropping a person. I name dropped Dorian Gray because I wanted a young man. I name dropped Dorian Gray and the it all of a sudden started spitting out more consistent things in the... Th to, towards the thing I wanted, maybe not specifically Dorian Gray, but I was getting a young man in a suit it, it, pretty much every time. So try name dropping a few dragons um, that you think would be in the clip library. And I, I do the same thing with robots and basically anything. And that helps a lot. Okay, great. Yeah, those, those are excellent suggestions. I did do something like that. Uh, for, for example, with the dragon, I used Drogon. Um, or um, also, uh, well, I'm totally blanking here, but the dragon from the Lord of the Rings. And um, I put it, uh, like I specifically said, like Lake Town or over Lake and flying. And I, I, I got really good uh, form there because it, it always found that image of, of the dragon flying towards the, the town, Lake Town. Um, but it's still kind of... Uh, it wasn't really perfect because it's still trying to use whatever's in that image set. Um, and for some things like I, I want a, a very specific type of droid uh, that I know won't be in the image set. Um, you know, I'm just kind of wondering if like we're moving towards a model or, or new features where you can, you could almost give it a 3d render of what something is, but then just have it go crazy with layering you know the the skin and the the background and the all all of that on top of that that three d render uh or that three d model yeah and uh actually, I have a buddy who's working on a custom book 
uh, for for me that kind of allows it, kind of doesn't. I I think that uh, disco diffusion will always kind of be this like uncontrollable kind of a thing, um, and like getting different like getting different positions out of a character might be difficult for per se. And and this is why I really uh, gear towards like the initial image game because the initial image doesn't need to be, excuse me, the initial image doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't even need to be remotely perfect. Um, I've opened up procreate scribbled down some like blocks of color, added some noise into the image so that I, that the, so the AI can grasp on something and create detail. And then I feed that through and like what I get is insane. So for you, you could easily just drop down some Brown for the ground, blue for the lake. And um, a a great tip for this is if you want, if you really want to guide the AI name drop color. So a blue dragon flying over a lake and now, and now that blue blob, in in like no man's land space on your drawing is easily grasped because the ai is looking for something blue to make that drag so yeah the the comping game is really fun um and like the initial image game is fun because you don't need to start from like detailed images it can be just extremely vague starting points wow that that was really good that was that was genius to just give it a color and a position but then say like blue dragon like that that that's really smart thank you very much yeah of course man awesome that's that, that, great great i'm just gonna go straight on to the next one uh no face id are you ready yeah you guys. go for it man. i'm i'm so glad i stumbled upon this spaces i was just you know lurking through twitter and like, oh, let's check this out and actually it's right on point in my interests and yeah so i'm no face idea i dropped a collection on stargaze that uses as well uh, some of uh, generative art and ai art as well because i use the generative photos website that provides the images of, of you know people people's faces that basically don't don't never existed because it's all generated by ai so i use this in my collection and I'm, you know, lurking more into into this topic because I'm super fascinated by all, all, all your work and and what you do. And I thought about how how would I go about animating? Because it like this process is as as I as I imagine, it's very uh, it's not that easy. You need to cut uh, the the animation into frames and then re-render as a source image each, each frame as a source image with different weights. Uh, or, or is it like, or you can automate this in a way? Just give me some tips if you if you, if you can. If you don't want to, uh, and and I like there is no you know uh, gatekeeping here, so that's that's all good. So yeah, yeah. Just uh, how would I go about you know using AI in my animations? Um, first of all, are are you using Disco Diffusion? No, no. I I used uh, this the the images that are in my collections are all programmed, and uh, I use a creative coding programming environment called VVVVV V4. So no, it's it's not that. I uh, if you haven't played with Disco Diffusion, um, I 
I think it's uploading right now still. Um, but in the in the uh, chat for the space here, the Twitter space, I, I just posted one of my animations. It's been something I've been working on for the, the past uh, week. Now. But uh, Disco Diffusion, the way it works is you can you can either feed it an initial image and then generate from there via prompts um, or you can feed it initial video. And uh, basically what it does is it takes every frame of that video and it renders your prompt on top of it. Um, it even goes as far to allow, um, you could set it to be like, for the first 100 frames, I want you to render flowers. For the 200 frames after that, I want it to be mushrooms or whatever. And you can you can get these like insane visuals um, now it it takes a long time so like for 30 seconds of footage i'm literally rendering 900 frames at 30 frames a second to get 30 seconds of footage right so my the renders of the videos they they take eight hours um but if you haven't i would definitely recommend trying out disco diffusion for animating um it's extremely powerful and uh yeah you won't be disappointed Sweet, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I was worried that I need to, you know, upload every frame and do, do stuff like that. Yeah, man. Thanks, thanks so much. I will check it out. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, just um, so Disco Diffusion's awesome. There's a few more I'd like to just throw out there. Pity Five Gan, which is like VQ Gan based, and then you can also use unlimited palette within that, uh, and that's like a really awesome animation uh, Gan uh but that but the diff the basically the reason why i sometimes prefer that one is because it's much lighter it's much faster uh disco diffusion as uh machine delusions was saying like takes like days to get results and unless you're running it on like a local machine or you've straight up bought out a gpu for you know for as long as you want it for uh running long animations like that uh, on Google Colabs, you'll just get disconnected and it will just um, ruin your animation halfway through. So yeah, when I you're doing you know, stuff... Go sorry, on. I'm trying to uh, direct it. It uploaded now. For anyone, uh, check out the uh, the chat here in the bottom right of the space. That's uh, some sampling of, of some animations I'm working on. And um, I think, you know, you can even, uh, using stuff like Midjourney, because it looks like you've done like a depth mapping. You've done like depth mapping on on the face, and then um, there's a GAN which does that. I can't I can't remember the name, but um, it will do that also with um, faces that you render in things like Dali, Mid Journey, all these. You can essentially just render the face in purely with AI, actually, and then run it through a depth mapping GAN, and then it'll it'll um essentially create like ai generated people for you uh you can then like how do you say like make the person's face in you know one of these ones that are really good at faces like dali or mid journey and then you can put use that as an initial image in diffusion um so i don't know just throwing some ideas your way but um yeah yeah uh, i hope so, Did uh, so answer your question? <laughs> yeah. So, which one can I run locally? The P PT five. Oh, I oh. I use uh PT. I use a lot of PT five GAN. Like all of our X tokens, all of our O tokens, all of that is PT five GAN. Um, I'll just send you a link to it later on. Um, okay. Thank you. And um, 
yeah, yeah. The, the reason why I use that is because the animation length or the time it takes to animate is not so crazy that you just get disconnected from your GPU by Google. Because sometimes to do like these diffusion renders takes like 24 hours or more. So especially if you're doing like high quality. So uh, yeah, just uh, when you get there, you figure it all out. It's all like a crazy long learning experience. You just like one problem at a time and then you just, you know, you, you get your head down and you figure it out one thing at a time. And yeah, it's, it, and it takes a long time. <laughs> Everything takes a long time. Apart from like what Machine Delusions was saying, it seems that things are speeding up now a bit more with Dali and stuff. But um, yeah, uh, if there's any other questions, I might um, start closing this session up. Uh, anyone else got a question? You going once? Going twice? Going three times? Cool. Machine Delusions, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for giving up your time. And uh, yeah, we're watching you very closely. Uh, I I can't wait to sort of hopefully catch up with you again in like let's say three months, six months time. I know how fast this space moves, and it'd be really interesting to see where you're at in um you know half a year's time, even or whatever. But um yeah, thanks so much, and um thank you everyone here who came and spent your evening with us as well. Uh, really appreciate that, and we'll we'll try to put on some more of these. Um, yeah, I'll keep a lookout. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for having me. Great, great space, guys. Um, I think uh, we should all be proud. We're all we're all uh, playing with technology that is uh, going to be the the framework for so much in the future. And uh, in six months' time, I I hope I'm still around. Um, I'm really trying hard to uh, stay on top of things. I think I think I'm gonna put my nose to the grindstone and, and, and really plan out some, some more, uh, project project based things. I definitely want to be collaborating more. I want to extend this to the physical. I know that PS labs, you, and, uh, I think, I think she left the space already, but your, uh, curator friend, um, yeah, she to leave. yeah, that's, that's really necessary. I think I want to expand into that. So anywhere I can to bridge the gap between digital and physical, I'm going to be trying yeah no brilliant thank you so much man and uh good night everyone thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was the render room hosted by ps labs with machine delusions stephanie kim the community manager ar alpha share old combat wombat was there and more recorded on wednesday august 10th 2022 for terraspaces.org i'm finn Thanks for listening. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded
get into the shit and line them up Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.